Hello everyone, this is Jim Lucy, Editor-in-Chief for Electrical Wholesaling and Electrical Marketing with the August 9th edition of the Today's Electrical Economy podcast sponsored by Champion Fiberglass. The company began producing epoxy fiberglass conduit and fittings in 1988 and in 1989 developed the first conduit from epoxy resins that had flame resistance and low smoke characteristics. This met the most stringent codes and specifications. In today's broadcast, you get to get a special treat. We've got a sneak preview of some of the largest construction projects that broke ground during the past few months. And also, we're going to take a look at electrical marketing's latest county-level electrical sales potential figures. And as always, we'll have to review some of the key weekly economic indicators that will give you a sense of where the electrical economy may be headed in the coming weeks. We'll be taking a look at initial unemployment claims at the state level, rate for rail car traffic, the Baker Hughes rate count, oil prices and copper prices. Our thanks again to Champion Fiberglass for once again sponsoring the Today's Electrical Economy series of podcasts for 2021. We're delighted to be working again with Champion. For the week ending July the 31st, the advanced figure for seasonally adjusted unemployment claims was 385,000, a decrease of 14,000 from the previous week's revised level. The national unemployment rate is 5.9%. It's a little changed over the past month, but it's 5.2 percentage points lower than in June 2020, according to the National Conference of State Legislatures. Let's take a look at the 10 states that had the biggest decrease in their initial unemployment claims for that week ending of July 31st. Leading the list is Pennsylvania with a decrease of 6,377, Texas with a decrease of 4,454, Florida in the number three spot, with a decrease of 3,821, Michigan with a decrease of 3,553, Tennessee at number five with a decrease of 3,273, Maryland in number six, 2,172 fewer claims, New York, 1,665 claims. Other states with a nice decrease were Oklahoma, 965 fewer claims, New Jersey, a decrease of 759 unemployment claims, and rounding out the top 10, New Mexico, with a decrease of 657 unemployment claims. On the flip side, these 10 states had the biggest increases in unemployment claims from the previous week. Leading the list here, Indiana with 4,517 more claims, Alabama, 2,515 claims, Rhode Island with 1,285 claims. Uh, Those were the only three states with an increase of more than 1,000 claims. Other states with some significant increases were California, 976 claims, Colorado, number number five spot, 970 claims, Georgia with 681 claims, Nevada at 582, Illinois at 478 claims, Iowa at 452 claims, and the state of Washington with 365 more claims than the previous week. One of the more interesting leading indicators for the overall U.S. economy is freight rail traffic. It's a measure of the amount of raw materials and finished goods being shipped by rail. The best source for this data is the American Association of Railroads, or AAR. They publishes this data weekly at www.aar.org. Total U.S. weekly rail traffic was 502,540 carloads and units. That's up 3% compared with the same week last year. In interpreting the July data, AAR Senior Vice President John Gray said, U.S. rail traffic in July was up over July 2020, but the percent increase was significantly lower than in other recent months, both because of the more difficult comparisons and because of various external factors that have led to a recent deceleration in rail volume. 
Gray also said that the grain exports were down sharply, which took the rail carloads of grain down with them, automaker, and that automakers are still hampered by semiconductor shortages. This led to sharply lower rail auto volumes. And the world supply chain slowdowns are also impacting both rail customers and the railroads themselves. Gray said that while all of these should, factors should be manageable, temporary setbacks and their convergence has resulted in some weaker rail volume and the basic domestic economic factors that might otherwise apply. Let's take a look at some of the individual freight categories. In July, 10 of the 20 carload commodity categories tracked by AR saw carload gains compared with July 20. These include coal, which is up 12.1%, metallic ores up 27.8%, and motor vehicles up 16.8%. The two categories that saw declines were petroleum and petroleum products down 3.8% and non-metallic minerals up down 2.3%. When you look at this slide here, you can see it's quite a change from what we were looking at in 2020 when the slide was mostly red with the declines in all of those categories and very few increases. It's really made a major change and that's a very good thing for the U.S. economy. If you track the oil market, you might be familiar with the Baker Hughes rig count, which tracks the oil and gas rigs that are operating. The data is available by state, by basin, and nationally at www.rigcount.bakerhughes.com. This data is available for free from Baker Hughes. This slide gives you an idea of the largest oil and gas deposits. It really gives you a good sense of just how many of the larger oil plays are in Texas and Oklahoma, and also how big an area the Marcellus gas region covers in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and parts of West Virginia. Let's take a look now at the oil rig activity at the state level. It's no surprise that Texas has the most rigs operating at 230. That's up 126 rigs more than a year ago, and also 121% year-over-year increase. Texas accounts for 47% of all the rigs now operating in the U.S. Other major states in the oil business right now are New Mexico with 15% of all U.S. rigs and Louisiana at 10%. Those two add another 25%, and what that means is that these three states were accounting of 72% of all the oil rigs in the United States right now. Uh, Louisiana is definitely a state that has come on strong over the past few few months. Uh, very often you would see Oklahoma in that position, and that's right now in the number four position. Oil prices seem to be taking a breather right now, and over the past week they've been living below the $70 per barrel figure. The chart on the left shows where prices have been since early May. And the chart on the right shows a steady increase in the price for West Texas Intermediate since last September, when it was around $40 per barrel. It does show the increase in that oil price over the past year, and it's, it's been pretty substantial. Economists like to call copper pricing Dr. Copper because it's a leading indicator for future economic activity since copper is used in so many industries. The construction industry is among the leading markets because of its use in wire and cable and copper plumbing pipe. Economists are watching copper prices closely as a sign of inflation, too. Spot copper prices remain above the $4.40 per pound mark. John Gross, the publisher of the Copper Journal and in the Copper Industry Annals for the better part of 40 years, writes regularly for electrical wholesaling. He says it's tough to forecast whether or not the, copper, the current elevated levels of pricing for copper will stick because of the lack of accurate data on the existing copper inventory in China, the world's largest consumer of copper. However, he does believe the long-term prognosis for copper will be higher prices because of the expected increase in demand for copper in the electric vehicle batteries and the reconstruction and hardening of the U.S. electrical grid. I found an interesting uh, video on CNBC. You can get that at our website or on CNBC about why many uh, copper experts think that the 
increase in the pricing is going to stick. And there's quite a bit of talk in that video, as we just mentioned, on because of the electric vehicles and the uh, grid hardening. But it's a it's a nice little nine minute video that gives you a very good little sense of what's happening in copper. Now let's take a look at one of my favorite data sources in the construction market, large construction projects breaking ground. Although many of the indicators measuring the health of the overall market are mixed so far this year and do sort of point to a sluggish market in the non-residential, there's quite a few interesting projects breaking ground in recent months, particularly in multifamily, hospital, and college and, college and university markets. One of the interesting multifamily projects that I found is the Sustainable Living Innovations Net Zero Apartment Tower in Seattle. Let's take a look at it. The Sustainable Living Apartment Tower in Seattle was not the biggest project that broke ground over the last few months, but it has some interesting characteristics. Along with being a net zero building, it uses pre-assembled electrical and mechanical systems in a very big way. It will use 900 prefabricated panels with electrical mechanical systems manufactured off-site. SLI says that, it will, that the building will achieve net zero status for its use of solar on the building's roof, exterior walls and balconies, the underfloor radiant heating systems it's in being used, and the captured rainwater and reclaimed gray water. In addition, it's got an innovative elevator system. They're very efficient in how the gearing is set up and daylight sensors to reduce power use throughout the building. As net zero building is a building with net zero consumption, as you might imagine, because meaning that the total amount of the energy used in the building is on an annual basis is equal to or the amount of renewable energy created on site. I thought these three projects kind of highlighted the trends that way I mentioned earlier about there being a fair amount of activity in the medical, multifamily, and college and university market. The Flagler Health Plus campus in Augustine, Florida went underway. I think it's over 40 acres. Looks sounds like a pretty big project, and that's that will add to that market's uh, construction activity in hospitals. Uh, on the campus of the University of Michigan, there's a very large uh, medical center being built. And in uh, Philadelphia, recently breaking ground was an, a tower in the Schoolkill Yards section of Philadelphia. And that's actually very close to the, for those who are familiar with Philly, very close to the 30th Street train station. And that's gonna be it. That's gonna be a massive project. It's gonna have a, more than a billion dollars worth of mixed use, multifamily, classrooms, uh, quite a bit. And it's certainly gotta be one of the bigger projects that's underway in Philadelphia over the past few years. All right, let's take a look now at some of the largest construction projects ranked by total contract value. Leading the list at, at LAX in uh, Los Angeles main airport is a, a light rail system. We've got a pretty good sized terminal in Houston being built at the Mickey Lane International Terminal, 530 million. We've got a large data center being built, Sterling, Virginia. It's out in the Fairfax County, west, west of Washington. It's a real hotbed for data centers. A whole bunch of uh, college types of projects. A leading list, uh, the largest, University of California's dorm project in San Diego. We've got a big, uh, pretty good size uh, campus redevelopment project at a community college in Arlington, Texas at Tarrant Community College, 288 million. University of South Carolina's got an 1800 bed uh, campus village, 210 million. Vanderbilt's got a big housing project going on. Lehigh's got a big uh, college of uh, business building going on. University of California, Davis, 1600 bed student housing. We mentioned earlier the uh, Michigan uh, University of Michigan's got that large hospital on campus, 920 million. Actually, probably been ranked by size one of the biggest that we've got here. Uh, the one I, one another project I found was quite interesting too, just outside of uh, Nashville and Spring Hill, Tennessee, June Lake. It's a 775 acre mixed use project that will be under construction for 20 years. It'll include 2,900 residential units. 3.9 million square feet of office space and nearly 1.3 square feet of residential and restaurant space. In addition, it's going to have 400 hotel rooms. 
Uh, Northern one that caught my eye is uh, actually in New York. Uh, those of you familiar with the Chelsea neighborhood, that's not too far from that gigantic um, Hudson Yards project that was underway for so long. They got a 1.2 billion ter terminal warehouse uh, conversion that's being done, uh, mostly multi-unit, also uh, quite a bit of residential uh, residential construction of different types, as well as uh, some retail and office being done there as well. Uh, we're kind of rounding out our list of the really gigantic mixed use types of projects is we've got the Re research and development district office project of, in San Diego, which will be primarily office space that's underway in the downtown area. I've always been fascinated with how consolidated the electrical market is and how much of the business comes from relatively few counties. For example, according to our data and electrical marketing, the top 10 counties in terms of electrical sales potential account for 11% of the total electrical potential in the nation. The top 10 counties for electrical sales potential are in ranked order, the Los Angeles County, Maricopa County and Phoenix, Harris County, which is big, a part of the Houston Woodlands and Sugarland MSA, Orange County, which is also about in LA, San Diego County, Santa Clara County, part of the San Jose MSA, Dallas County, Queens, New York, Cook County, large area all throughout Chicago, and Tarrant County, also part of the Dallas uh, Metroplex there. Phoenix's Maricopa County is the only county showing growth for the year, and that was up, uh, looks about just about two, or slight growth, 2% growth, about, and that's about uh, 40, 40 million in, 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 in increase. Let's drill down into the our electrical sales potential on the electrical contractor basis and the industrial basis. We get our sales data for these estimates from two sources. We take the most recent county data that's available from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Right now, it happens to be the most recent is through the fourth quarter of 2020. We take that number and we multiply it by the electrical wholesalings, electrical sales potential or sales per employee uh, data. We estimate that for every employee an electrical contractor has, the uh, there's worth $6,500, $617 in electrical sales potential. And for an industrial account, for every employee they have, it's worth $747 in sales potential. On a contractor basis, the, some of the metros showing the biggest increases. We had uh, Pinellas County, which is part of Tampa. They had a thousand more contractors uh, being employed from fourth quarter of 2020 from fourth quarter of 2019. Uh, if any of you are familiar with Tampa, there's an enormous amount of construction going on in the downtown. Other counties showing some large increases in the employment uh, employment change and in, in, in a res uh, increase from that in their total electrical sales potential. Or Sacramento has 621 more. Uh, electrical contractor employees working, District of Columbia up 492. Again, Maricopa County, we've, heard, we've talked about that a little bit in some of the earlier slides, up 485. San Mateo County, part of a San Francisco M uh, MSA, that's up 456. Some other counties that showed some pretty significant increases were Clayton County in the Atlanta area, Alameda County, also a San Francisco, Placer County, again, part of Sacramento, Travis County, you'll hear that one a lot with this part of Austin, which is one of the biggest by any measure, one of the fastest growing uh, metros in the entire United States, uh, Sioux County in Iowa, and Oakland County in the Detroit metro. I spotted some surprises in the uh, counties that showed the biggest increases in industrial employment from 2019 to 2020, fourth quarter. 
Leading the list, Durham in the uh, Durham Chapel Hill is always a fast growing metro. I was surprised to see it on the industrial side, up over 5,000 uh, manufacturing employees. Another surprise to me was uh, Johnson County, Kansas, actually where my office is located here in the Kansas City Metro, up 2,692 more employees. Total industrial uh, estimated sales potential in Johnson County at 38.4 million. Um, one county that many of you might heard of if they're familiar with the different industries of Indiana, Elkhart County, up over 2,000 employees. Elkhart is uh, well known for its the amount of manufacturing of RVs, uh, boats, I think, and different types of uh, power, power vehicles in the camping and outdoor industries. Quite a bit of manufacturing there, and it is worth 116.5 million in electrical sales potential. Flint Market was up. Also, quite a bit with 1,286 more employees. Genesee County up over 1,000. Some of the other counties that were up over 1,000 employees year over year through the fourth quarter of, of 2020. Um, in Huntsville, Alabama, Madison County up 1,147. Alameda County in San Francisco, Oakland, Hayward, MSA. That one's up also the same uh, 1,147. Uh, Salt Lake City's county, up two, one of the biggest counties in Salt Lake City Metro, Tuolumne County up 1,142. And Eaton County in the Lansing, East Lansing, Michigan, also up uh, over a thousand. Rounding up the top ten, Brevard County in the Palm, Palm Bay, Melbourne, and Titusville, Florida area, and San Joaquin County in Stockton, Lodi, California. That's up 941 employees. If you ever need more information on the, the amount of electrical sales potential, Electrical Marketing Newsletter for only $99 a year provides these sales estimates along with the county level that we discussed it today. Also, at the, we have it at the metro level and the state level. We, we also, as part of Electrical Marketing, provide sales estimates at the state level for 17 product categories. We, we gave you access to some of the construction projects. We have uh, updated quarterly at Electrical Marketing. Again, it was only part of the $99 subscription. You can contact me to directly get signed up for that if you need us, uh, the data on an annual basis. And we also provide building permits at the metro and state level. Uh, we've got quarterly information on electrical sales potential at the metro level. And of course, uh, all, the, all the information on the news and promotions in the electrical industry, all for just $99. That wraps things up for today's podcast. Apologize for being a little bit longer than usual, but I had a lot of great data that I wanted to get in front of you. Special thanks again to the folks at Champion Fiberglass for sponsoring the Today's Electrical Economy series of podcasts for 2021. Please contact me if there's any other type of economic data you would like us to cover in these podcasts. Our next presentation will be on Monday, August the 23rd. So be well, stay healthy. I look forward to talking with you in two weeks. <music>